What's up, Kosova? This is Coach Q. I'm your host for the upcoming podcast called Never the Right Time. We are on on every Tuesdays, 11.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. 103.5, 105.5 Urban FM. We're going to be talking all things around health, fitness, lifestyle. Please check us out. Here's a quick shout out to our sponsors, Five Star Fitness and Onze Recovery. Five Star Fitness goes without saying we need to be active nowadays. It's a must. And to help with this, Five Star Fitness, with locations across the country, has established itself as the place to pursue your fitness goals. Now, Onze Recovery, let's talk about stress from daily life, leaving us depleted in need of that reboot. Onza Recovery offers different types of therapies to help you recover from the daily stresses, especially when we are limited with time. I appreciate you taking the time. I know you're super busy, um, you know, mid-season as well. Um, and like just to, I guess, set the context a little bit, like we've been working on and off for like four or five months now. We mm-hmm. met earlier this year and then we started kind of working together uh, kind of just building you up, helping you kind of prepare for this upcoming season. But like for those that might not be familiar with what you do, who you are, if you don't mind, just kind of to give a brief introduction, like what you do, where you do it. And then I think it'd be interesting to also kind of like go into a little bit of like, you know, the different, I guess, you, can you call it disciplines? Yeah, like yeah. the different races, the different right? Like yeah. because I think when it comes to well skiing, like you know, people just think of it as skiing, right? Yeah, For just like an, an activity, yeah, family activity. Yeah. So yeah. if uh, yeah, just kind of like brief introduction: who you are, what you do. Well, then... for everybody who doesn't know, I am Kosovo's first female Winter Olympian. My first Olympics was in Beijing, 2022. It was also the first time Kosovo was represented with a female at the Winter Olympics. And I am an alpine skier. And I race mostly technical disciplines. A bit hard to understand. Google it. And then also sometimes speed. I've started now. Well, like, yes, some people will Google it. But, like, if, um, you know, for, like, you know... People have heard uh, downhill, slalom, yeah. grand slalom. Giant. Uh, giant, sorry. Yeah. No, giant slalom. Like, if maybe you could just kind of give a brief description around those, because I think that would be pretty interesting, because, again, like, for most people, as you said, like, you know, they just go down the slope, yeah. right? Maybe they go fast, maybe they don't, like, but that's yeah, yeah, it, yeah. right? No, but for slalom, is like, skis are shorter, speed is slower, and then you're hitting basically a singular gait, so it's just one thing. And then giant slalom is two gates with flag, higher speed, longer skis, and then speed. This is technical. So speed then comes with super G, so it's super giant slalom, and then downhill. Super G is basically up to like 100 kilometers an hour and very long skis. So for reference, I'm 165 and my super G skis are 2 meters and 10 centimeters. Wow. And okay. then downhill skis, mm. uh, the speed is quite high. It's like 120. And it 
goes like my skis are two meters twelve centimeters. Again, for reference, I'm 165, and it's quite it's quite a weird feeling. Feels like you're strapped down to earth. Yeah. So like when you are on season, like it's I mean, obviously you're carrying a ton of equipment, right? Yeah. So, like, for, I guess it depends on how many races maybe in, in one span that you are going to be, like, competing in. Or even, like, when you go to camp, right? Like, which yeah. disciplines you're going to be um, practicing, yeah. for example. But, like, do you, like, already, I'm just thinking, do you take all your skis with you? Uh, I have, so basically, what I have right now is six pairs. Two slalom, two giant, one super G, one downhill. And basically, we... That's the reason we don't fly by plane. We never fly unless it's unreachable by car. We don't we don't take like we don't take the plane for fear that it might get damaged as well. Like. Also damaged. Yeah, we had the thing is that you know when the airport crisis was in Europe, flights were getting delayed, the stuff mm. was getting thrown. Like I still bubble wrap my skis mm. always and then put them in a ski bag and then I always tell the guys like take it. Like we had this one thing in Tirana when we landed when I came back from Argentina and the guy and he just threw one of one pair of skis on the track and Drin, my colleague, he just puts his head in uh, like on the other side where the guys are putting the he's like, careful, like this is very expensive, you know, like because why would you throw it? Like, please take mm. care of the equipment because it's so expensive. And he's like, that damage is unrepairable. You just you basically have to throw the whole ski in the garbage. Like I get then sorry. Your skis, for example, right? Like the depending on which which pair, like yeah. how much would that be? Like a, a pair, one of skis. pair of skis. Yeah. Well, it depends. Those are like a different category, but it it it's around eight hundred to one thousand two hundred for okay. a pair. Yeah, and that's without just the, the binding. Yeah, and the binding is like another two hundred fifty. Okay, and then you have basically. Yeah. Wow. So like, okay. No. So like this is this is sensitive information because if ever, if anybody knows like and he does the math a child with six pairs and a full bag with equipment that's like crazy expensive is like you have to watch over your things. Mm. And in Europe like in France they steal your stuff. <laughs> they steal like <laughs> Drin they stole his skis somebody just put his skis on and they left. Somebody stole my poles. It has happened to me five times. Pair of poles. Wow, okay. Poles. Crazy. 150. It's like, oh my yeah. God. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's just, uh, you know, thinking about the logistics alone, like, it's already tiring to be able to, like, carry that stuff, right? Like, from pl um, w whether it's airport to airport. Oh, airport kind of to airport was it's so bad. Especially when you're alone. Yeah. Like, Milan Airport. How do you do it? I was in, in Bergamo. I was flying back home. I, were, I was flying to Tirana, and then my father would come pick me up. But I was there alone. And if anybody has been to Bergamo, it's filled with these people that steal stuff, and they just run around the airport. <laughs> maybe it's not. Maybe we can't generalize, okay, though. No, like. Sorry, not not generalizing. But there's, like, some people that really, like, they, they're just looking at, like, stuff like this and then see if, like, they leave it alone. Okay. Like, other people leave their stuff alone. Just it's. I guess it, it was a bit of like an uncomfortable. Yeah, kind of and I could not leave my stuff out mm. when I needed to go to the bathroom, so I always had to like find the most trustworthy 
looking people and ask them for 10 minutes of their time. Yeah, because it's just, I mean, yeah, you, with all that equipment, you can't... It's like you're stupid you know. to not steal it if you see it alone. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, yeah, it's it's not your, uh, your average carry-on, let's say, right? So let's take a, a, a bit of a step back. Like, I've been also curious to, like, you know, how you got into skiing, you know, and then also kind of, like, being from Kosovo, right? Yeah. Like, the skiing environment. Like, it's, it, I have the impression that, at least when it comes to, well, skiing in general or also, like, freestyle skiing, it's quite popular. Um, yeah. But maybe if you could just kind of, like... Um, Brief. Yeah, just, like, how, do, how, how you got, like, your first time being exposed to skiing, how you got into it, and then at what point did you, like, you know, w or if there was, right, like, a moment of, hey, this is what I want to do. So basically, I started at the age of four, three, four. I couldn't even ride a bike at the time that I was skiing. Wow. I I started. I learned how to ride a bike at six. Okay. I think I was just bad at at the bike thing. I <laughs> yeah. I, I forget. I mean, but okay. So three, four years three, old, you're four, already yeah. on a pair of skis. In in Brezovica, and for everybody who skied in Brezovica, Brezovica is hard. It's like. The worst place to send a beginner. Oh, is it? It's like you have the ski lift, but it's like 100 meters. Maybe, I don't know. I'm bad at distancing, but it's quite short. Okay. And then like there's no like middle ground. It's like it's a ski lift and then it's, a, and then it's like this. And it's okay. bumpy and it's crazy. I've been there. I've sat on one of the ski lifts when it was like off season. Oh, yeah, and I've gone hiking uh around in the area but i haven't skied so like i'm completely like it's like it's like mogul skiing in a normal slope okay so it's like really bumpy v very bumpy it's like you'll take flight up to six meters up to ten <laughs> Wait, that's a lot okay but so it's like but it's, it's like very this, hard for someone who's never yeah, done it's it like right this. yeah so that's where you started yeah okay and my dad was a skier. Uh -huh. He used to do skiing and then switch to snowboard, I think. Okay. And then back to skiing to teach us how to ski. And there's like some pictures of me in Brazovita. So he was your first teacher? teacher? Yeah. Okay. And like, okay, so then you started skiing. And was that something like you kind of really got into? Like you no, were like, hey, this is fun or? More of like a family kind of once twice a year trip uh -huh. and then i started skiing in bulgaria bulgaria was when i really took off like okay. i was actually skiing for like at the age of eight nine nine okay, ten so you're still only eight or nine right yeah and I then was, i was like i had some freestyle skis i was skiing backwards front i was like a mad child like i would not stop that was my problem like i would just go down and w Bulgaria, was this already, was this also like a family holiday that you yeah, went? Yeah, yeah, Okay. I was swimming at the time. So I was doing swimming at the time. And then by the age of 11, I think. Yeah, 11. Uh -huh. I started skiing with a ski club. Okay. And then... And this is, this is in Kosovo? In Kosovo. Okay. So you joined a ski team, kind of. Yeah. And then, I guess, uh, you were being coached by your dad and then you also being coached by this team or learning at this team with this let's team. say i was with a team mm -hmm. for the first year 
so until I was 12 and then I left for a year because it was just too overwhelming for us and like we okay. like my mom was expecting I think my younger brother yeah mm-hmm. and we just left it and then I was freestyling in Brezovica not freestyle free ride sorry freestyle is like with the jumps okay so like Free when one. you say oh you took one year you you left that kind of school yeah and then you were just, just you were still did, skiing i just did weekends with my father because okay. we have a we have a house in brezovica okay and we stayed a lot and then my baby brother was born and then i started skiing again mm-hmm. and then i had i remember we went to austria like my dad drove us to austria the team was also there we were doing a camp with an austrian like camp organizing mm-hmm. thing and I did one while the other kids were doing three. I did one glacier camp. Okay, what, what's a glacier camp? Okay, so a glacier basically is the only mountains that are like open uh-huh. for training in like no October, November, September, August, like the whole year kind of thing. Yeah. So we could train there. Whereas like actual like snow resorts, they don't open until December or whatever. They have a lot of snow. Okay. Now it's changed because before it was like November, it was it was filled yeah. with snow, and now it's like December because of yeah. Okay, so and then like in terms of skiing on a glacier, for example, like just I'm going off a bit on a tangent, but like skiing on a glacier, how different is that to like a regular mountain? Oh, it's crazy because a regular mountain it doesn't go higher than let's say like one thousand five hundred usually. Okay, it's like. And then a glacier, the one that I went to was my first time. The altitude was about 2,700, something like that. So I was much higher up then. Much higher up. And it's, I I mean, didn't it's feel ice it. versus snow is like... It's, yeah, well, it's like you have different levels. So like you have the, the younger kids who are not still like skiing with the seniors. Mm-hmm. Because for skiing is like once you turn 16, you go up into the senior category and then... Is like you ski with everybody. So then there's no more categories after 16. So 16, you're and with... The, you're with uh, everybody. Everyone, okay. Yeah, so then you have like the 21-year-olds coming in and they like they, they destroy you because of the experience and everything, but... Well, they're like, also much bigger, much yeah. stronger, mature, right? And that's how right? it starts. Like, that's how it starts okay. for everybody. Yeah. And basically, so I was like 13, 14, 14, my first time on a glacier, and I did that one camp, and then I came back, and then I crushed the races here and then at 16 i joined the national team okay and then i had a national team coach shout out to the guy amazing guy i did one work with him and i all like i progressed more than the first four years that i did with a club okay so it was more of like a coach thing but i still continued with my dad you know mm. like we worked a lot I had a lot of international coaches, but never really consistency in that. And now that's what I'm trying to build, mm. like a consistent coach. Mm. Um, well, I guess it's like also like in terms of, you know, who you're spending more time with, right? Yeah, because um, like a coach cannot come into your life, see you for a week and then tell you what you do. Because, you know, like we change all the time. It's never the same. Yeah. And like it takes time to kind of develop that rapport relationship but so when you this first uh just going back to the first glacier uh camp was this already did you at this point were you already like this is what i want to do 
Uh, yeah, at, at thir- when I came back to the ski club after that one year of yeah. break, my father asked me, I was 12, and he asked me, he's like, do you want to take this seriously or just quit, you know? Yeah. And I told him that I liked it and I want to take it seriously. And then this question followed up again before the glaciers camp started. Mm-hmm. And then again at 16 when I joined FIS, because it's like, you know, you got, you're sure at 14 that you're going to do this and you win... Kosovo champion and blah 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 and whatever and then and once you join face it's like it's like you climb 10 floors in one go mm, like in terms of the the competition the yeah, level yeah, yeah, yeah. like everything, it just everything yeah it's like the equipment change mm. changes everything becomes more expensive everything mm. is a whole different story because that is like no matter how much of a good skier you are you're always going to be at the at the end of the start list because you you simply with the conditions that you're given you're never going to be able to like jump up to the good points in the beginning so it's like step by step time taking yeah i guess it's sort of like coming from being a kosovo champ uh kosovo champ like so being the biggest fish in the pond to all of a sudden then the one of the smaller fish in an ocean kind of thing right like Like, you're like just like everybody else you're trying to do the same thing it's like you know these geniuses that go to like mit and they think they're like very smart and then they go there and like but everybody's smart (laughs) like we're all the same well possibly yeah okay it's like wow. it's that same feeling. It's like you thought you were smart and blessed mm. your whole life, and then you get there, and you're like, but like no matter how hard I work, everybody is doing the same hard work. Mm. No matter how smart, everybody's smart. It's like you get there at 16, and you see these 20-year-olds Austrian girls who skied, like they've skied like professional alpine skiing since they were like four. And it's like, oh my god. Yeah, like I think that's probably also a kind of an interesting it's like a slap to the face from reality well i think like yeah regardless wherever you come when you all of a sudden kind of join a different group or you know like an age bracket as you get older then yeah i mean i think like you know the competition is endless right like all of a sudden then you're also exposed to people from all kinds of places right yeah, yeah, you have like all of these different people. It's like you have the rich guys with the good equipment, with the good training, and then you have the the medium average wage. We're talking about European average wage, not Kosovo average wage. Mm. Guys who maybe they don't have like they have good equipment because they're good skiers, not because they're rich and they can afford it. And then it's like it's crazy because everybody's like battling for the same spot position, and it's like and it's like one. A small thing can happen to you. It's like your skis get together or your, the gate is broken. It's stuff that you can't control, really. Mm. Or like for a second, let's say the girl before you or the girls after you, like because we do two runs. Basically, I'll explain it yeah. very simply. Two runs. First run, you get like the first 30 girls go into a bingo and then they come out like different places. So the f- first is the list with the points. Okay. The first 30, they, they mix it up, and then the rest, they just come out, like, with the points. So, basically, let's say you start 60, and you make it up into 40th position by chance and luck and hard work and whatever. And you're starting next race, 40th. And then the first 30, so basically, now, like, with the times that they've done, 
the first girl starts last because they flip. Mm -hmm. And then you start basically 40th because you don't enter the flip. And let's say the first girls, they go down and it's like bad weather. It, it can be like foggy. And then at 45, the fog disappears and all the girls that come after you like yeah, destroy the timing because they no had control over the natural visibility. Elements, right? Yeah. Even the snow and... So, like, you you mentioned a couple things there. So, when it comes to, like, already FIS, so FIS stands for? Uh, in, uh, Federation de Internacional de Ski. This is in French. Exactly I cannot pronounce it. <laughs> you pronounce it. Très bien. Um, okay. But then, in terms of, so, like, people might be familiar with, like, the World Cup, right? Yeah. And that is, like, the top. That's the top. Right? It's, like, higher than the Olympics kind of thing. Yes, so then in terms of like how many levels does that go? So, and then also kind of like, so once you basically, you know, at certain ages, like, you know, this question of like, do you want to do this? You ask yourself and you're like, yeah, yes, and like, you keep doing it, but right? But you have to like get somewhere at a point to like continue to do it because if you haven't done anything at a certain age, it's like, come on, you're like, you're burnt out. Yeah, okay, that's that's something we'll, we'll definitely like kind of uh, um, talk about as well. But like when you then hit 16 right then it's like i guess before 16 you're with the junior i guess yeah, junior, uh yeah. skiers right like, like you 16 you it's 14. that age bracket right yeah. and then 16 and until as and old as you want yeah. right kind of thing so as long as they're racing then do you just like can anyone just ski if they have the means to do it so, or is it already like you need to qualify to already join the circuit Sorry, I'm yawning because we had an early session today. <laughs> it's Friday. Uh, it wasn't that early, no. No, no, so it nine, wasn't. 9.30. Yeah, it wasn't 9.30. We usually have it at 8.30. And basically... Right and early. So. so how it works is at 16, you enter. To enter, you have to be already registered as an alpine skier in your federation, okay. which then to apply for a race, your federation has to send application forms. Okay. So basically how it works, we message the federation, we want to enter this race, and mm -hmm. they send the application form. But really you have to be, like, to be able for you, and um, for us it's like, okay, like in Kosovo it's okay, you can enter, but like in Switzerland it's like if you don't, if you don't progress, they will take away your skiing license and you just finish there. It's like done and dusted. Oh, wow. Okay. So, like, you really have to show results at mm. some point. Mm -hmm. And then how it works is you start into FIS. FIS is a general category with no age, like, limits. Mm -hmm. And, like, for example, let's say there's a FIS race in Italy where I'm training. And the World Cup season has, like, is in a stop. Or, like, some girls from the World Cup, they haven't qualified for that exact race. And they're training there. They can enter the race. And they absolutely destroy the race and the points and everything. Okay. So then, so what, what is that called? Like the level underneath? Is there a name? Yeah. So then you have national junior race and national uh, junior championships. So these, I think, I think national junior championships is the one that you're allowed to race until you're 20. Okay. So there is like more of a beginner friendly kind of category. But still, like, but I mean, still, this, like this 16 is year olds with people that are trying to go up, yeah. right? So, And then from FIS, yeah. at, at the FIS level, you can also race is CIT, so it is, it is Citizen, mm -hmm. and Citizen World Cups. 
these are also very nothing crazy it's like almost like closer to fist okay categories and then from fist when you reach a certain like uh points mm -hmm. you enter europa cup okay so this is the european system i don't know how the american system works but the european system is goes from like these categories up to europa cup and then you have to win a bunch of europa cups to be able to start like like okay maybe you can start some world cups but like at that level it's like if you're not going to qualify for the second run it's like why bother starting at all mm, so that's okay. why you have to like really get used to europa cup and then europa cup is all like the newcomers into the world cup because at each stage already like fists to europa cup to world cup like yeah the, like you have the, to the like really like dominate the competition to get there it's like there are levels right is yeah. it, right so um okay so then in terms of like um sort of like you've progressed so like now you you've you've also like uh joined the national team and whatnot um so like in terms of like how has like so at this point you're you you've you've basically committed right you're all in you're like this is what you kind of want to do yeah yeah for sure like i mean at, at this point it's not a hobby anymore it's it's, it's a job Mm. It's a full-time, life-consuming job. And, like, what's really impressive, like, having come to know you and your father, it's like, this was like, and then obviously your mother too, but, like, this has been a family affair. Kind yeah. of like you guys have it's been crazy. kind of it's like, trying to know, figure it out, right? A family from Kosovo, which Kosovo is known for high wages, entering a sport that's one of arguably the most, one of the most yeah. expensive sports, after right? after formula one is like one of the most expensive it's like more expensive than you know like people talk about tennis being expensive no not Wait, at all doesn't I mean, even come close i mean yeah you need you need snow yeah right? also it's like, <laughs> like tennis and all of these other sports is like you can control 90 percent of the variables but in skiing is like is like mm. completely naturally kind of thing is like you can't control the weather you can't control the course damage until you go down you can it's like crazy it's like you have to work you have to learn to adapt and work with what you have and like so like i feel that from an early age like also you were just kind of forced to like grow, mature and yeah, grow, grow kind of right like because you know, th there's, as you said, there's so much out of your control, right? Like, yeah, yeah, like you have to learn. And also it's like, it taught me so much about life in general. It's like I learned mm -hmm. not to react and not to like get emotional about things that I can't control or like, it's crazy. It's like it, it, it matured me so fast at 16. At 17, I went to the Olympics. I was like completely alone. My coach was quarantined. I had to like, by myself organize my training and everything and like it was my first olympics i had no idea how anything worked and i managed to like break through let's 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 dive into that a little bit so like how how do you go to the olympics so basically <laughs> let's start with that like this one i want to i want to like really tell people because they think hmm. that because summer olympics how it works is they send you an invite that's how you go it's not that, but you still need to quali You need certain times, right? Like for whatever discipline you are, like yeah, or scores, points. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. There, there is that, yeah. right? But like, because I'm still waiting for my invitation. Everybody thinks right? 
that you know like we go just to like get represented no like summer olympics yes you get an invite uh -huh. you go and you represent your country in the sport just so that every country gets represented somehow you know mm -hmm. like until at a certain point like and the when the summer olympics we only had the judokas that and the guy that i think was wrestling that was qualified and everybody else went with an invite mm. and for us is like one of the main reasons why we never had female competitors there and like actual kosova born and made uh athletes go to the winter olympics mm -hmm. is that you have to qualify and like it's it's like you go into face and i was my first year i was racing balkan races okay and the first like The the year that I had to qualify was my first time racing European races. Okay. And like like Balkan races, okay, it's more of like like down here, like Croatia, Slovenia is quite like similar to Europe, but like down here is like it's 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 I don't want to say it's a joke, but it's not a real like European race. Okay, what do you mean by that? Like the environment is different, like the, the courses the, are like different? The, the number of athletes is different. The quality of the... Because you know for us how points work is like you're you're giving points based on the competition the that you're racing. Okay, right, against so, other skiers yes. basically. Okay. So basically that's how why the points matter because if I enter with a racer that's skiing 20 points, then the points are going to be good. But if I enter with a skier that's racing 80 points and I have 86, there's no way that I'm going to make better points. Okay, so one thing about the points. It's complicated. The, Even yeah. I sometimes don't understand it. So it's like. But in general, I guess, like, for. Because I think a lot of people, like, when they, you know, they might tune in on the Olympics, right? They see that because yeah. it's exciting. But, like, when it comes to, like, following skiing, the points, right? Generally, like. If you could call it a rule of thumb, the less points that someone has, they're usually ranked higher, right? Basically, Or is it like yeah, they've done like, where? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Better, the right? less points, the better. So okay. basically, that's how it works. And then for a race, it's like you have, let's say, European class races. You have like 80 girls and the best points are like 21, second best, 22, third best, 22 point something. And they're like ranked. And then it, it comes to an average of those points and then also the time that the course, both courses work. The results. Yeah. yeah. And then I guess in terms of like going back to like, okay, the, you know, the Balkan races versus this European yeah. race, like the course itself, the difficulty probably is different. No, it's just or that the, not the level of competitors is not as hard as a Europe race. Okay. So, so like, yeah, you can win maybe a medal here somewhere or. But actually but in terms of points and it, rankings, yeah, no. like overall, like for the season, it doesn't, it, it doesn't count really, as much. Yeah. No. Okay. Um, All right. So then, like, I mean, okay, you 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 racing in different areas. Like, so, for example, like, how many? I guess it also comes down to how many disciplines you, because some people might just be a downhill specialist, for example, right? Yeah, like, like you they have. Ju they just want to do that. But then, you know, you kind of do a little bit of everything. Of everything, yeah. So, because I talk, you know, Ivita Kostelic is like a big name. No. Yes. Well, no. Explain. Yeah. Okay, so he's basically. Croatian skier, mm -hmm. very famous. His father was broke. They were selling, so they were winning skis in competition, and his father was selling skis to send them to other competitions. Mm -hmm. And they were like sleeping in the mountain, in a glacier, 
like not in a hotel, like in a in a tent kind of situation. There's a documentary about it. Okay. It's crazy, and the there's the brother and the sisters, so Yanita and Ivita, and I had a camp with them, and the and Ivita was explaining, and he was like, so these guys, Yanita, I think she won like six Olympic gold medals. Oh, okay. So she so is she's uh, like high there, like Hall like of Famer. Really, huh? Yeah, Hall yeah. of Fame is like okay. The name in skiing is the Kostelic last name, and he was telling us that there's benefits from skiing downhill that you will see in slalom, for example, which is like was like mind blowing to me because usually how it works now in the newer generation is like you specialize in downhill and you train downhill, you specialize in slalom and you mm. train slalom. And it's like, it's easier to get good at one thing, but then at a certain level, it's like, it stops the progress. Mm -hmm. And then that's how he would explain it. It's like, by doing downhill, you get better in slalom. And I was like, what? Well, I, I, can, I can see like where there's probably a transfer, like from the different disciplines to the other, right? Um, but it's, I mean, regardless, each one of them is like, it's it's a it's a world of milliseconds, right? Yeah. It's a, a millimeters in terms yeah. of the the cuts, the you know the the turns, the yeah, yeah, the speed, very, the times, that kind of thing, thing right? Like... Um, okay, so then you like as you're progressing in your career, then um, so you you're you're also exposed to different people, right? So different yeah. coaches, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. But then let's let's just go back to your the road to Beijing, like okay. so you you had to qualify, right? Like you yeah. And so, what was that journey like in terms of like how many? What did you have to win? Times? What like you know? How does that work? Clear, <laughs> clearly, clearly, this episode is not interesting enough for I'm her. Tired. But uh, <laughs> it's all right. Um, it's a long day. It was a long day, and basically, so I'll sum it up. Hmm. Uh. So you have four years to qualify. That's an Olympic cycle. It lasts four years. Okay. I managed to qualify in 10 days. Not 10 days. Like two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> so wait, sorry. Some people take four, four years. Four years. Right? Like you have four years to qualify. Like you can... So what happened? What happened in those two weeks? Please, and then so like, what, how would like how, someone normally do yeah. this, right? Because this sounds like a, an exceptional kind of this. Is, this right? was like a crazy kind of thing. Is when we would be telling people, it was like unbelievable. And so, what it takes is like one hundred five results under one hundred and fifty points. Okay. So for us, is the lesser the better. If we explain that, and then I started. Ooh, I'm hungry. No, I started the season with 280 points. And that was my best result uh -huh. at the time. And I trained a lot that summer okay. with the national team. And I worked a lot. I spent like three months summer skiing in a glacier. So like, sorry, then, um, sorry to interrupt, but like, it was this like, this training and all this, like... You were like, I, I want to go to the Olympics. So And that's why you kind of like, was there like a shift in mindset and approach kind of thing? Or like, how did the Olympics actually So how come it to all you? come to happen was... Mm -hmm. oh my it's all right. 
Um, <laughs> one, two, one, two. Check, so, check. Yeah. basically, uh, how yeah. we, we worked it out uh-huh. was that we, uh, f- first season, end of season, I got the first international medal for women in skiing. Okay. Ever in the history. And for Kosovo. For Kosovo, yeah. And then it, when everybody was talking about it, he's like, she has the Olympics and she can make it. And it was... It was like nobody expected me to actually make it. It was more of like dream talk kind of thing, you know? Okay. And I I don't know. I was I was never focusing on the Olympics. My thing was to always get better day by day mm. and the results would come. I had come to learn especially in my first season that if you focus on the results, it's never going to come. But then just try to get better day by day, run by run. Mm. like kind of thing and I was working a lot and to be fair my giant slalom was like not really my best discipline in my first like did you start season. like all of them at, at the same time no I of? started or did you focus on slalom and GS because that's all that we could train basically ba- due to the where you were where right? we were okay. and so you were forced budget, yeah. so I was forced to like dive into technical disciplines okay and whereas like other European kids had already skied all of them children uh, yeah. speed races because in hindsight looking back for example and i know we're jumping around here a little bit but like in hindsight if you had to choose what's your favorite what would you have wanted to start with well now i tried downhill so now i have like a big understanding of all of them but i wish i had the chance to ski downhill as a kid i really do okay because i really loved it it was quite scary but it was very nice and i feel like if i started as a kid I would have actually gone, gotten like very good results in like the meantime. Mm. But like I started with slalom and giant slalom, the smaller technical disciplines, okay. easy to train, not that much like effort and like mm-hmm. budget taking. And so then, okay, more you, friendly. Back yeah. to the so that more so Kosovo friendly, <laughs> basically. So back to then, um, you. What is it? Okay, you won this uh, uh, yeah, uh, medal. medal. And then everybody was talking about it. And then uh-huh. I was training in the glacier for three months. And then November comes around and we dive head in into the, one of the hardest race, races in Europe, uh-huh. which was in Switzerland. Okay. And I was like, not. let's say I was shocked. I was sick at the time. I was taking antibiotics. It was in Switzerland behind St. Moritz. There's okay. this one glacier and the Swiss champion now, Marco Odermatt, is from there. And I didn't know that. And it's like these guys, that race, they took a chainsaw and they cut the ice because it was not gripping. Okay. And they were making lines in When the you say ice. gripping for the average person, what yeah. does that mean? So, so we have iron edges in our skis and we sharpen them so that when it comes to ice, you know how knife cuts ice? Basically, it's like you're going to make it as sharp as a knife. So you... Have you a have gr- literally like, like a quite hold of literally the ice. Uh, a, a, so much of a sharp edge that the the where you touch it you get a cut. So like I have cuts in my hands all the time from wow. like testing out if my edges are yeah sharp like, enough. sharp enough. Okay, and then it's like I went there. Yeah, I've never skied that kind of ice, and I made it. I had like crazy. I had a breakthrough. Uh-huh. I had like some of my best skiing in my life. Okay, there. And I have some pictures. I could not recognize myself skiing. That's how, like, it was so good. And then, but I, unfortunately, I did not finish the race. Okay. 
because I could not keep my attention span. I could not keep my attention, and then somehow, like I got into the zone. Mm. Like some people talk about the zone, but it's like crazy for a skier. How the zone work is like, how the zone works is like you're basically you're you're viewing what you're doing, but you're not in control. So you just let your body mm. and your muscle memory go into like the state. And you just observe what's going on. Meanwhile, so you almost like feel like you're down. kind of dissociated yeah, with your per- exactly yourself. And it's like if you're done, if you've done it long enough, your body will like ski at its best potential. Wow! So it's almost like you you're not you're not there, but you're there. You know. Okay. Now, in terms of like the different disciplines, right? So slalom, giant slalom, like for for the person that's you know uneducated uh, around skiing, like. One race, right? Yeah. From top to bottom, let's say, how long is it? And basically, it's—I mean, it's just full speed, right? So like, yeah, basically, a slalom race is like forty-five up to like fifty-five seconds. Seconds up to there's some races that's like a one-minute slalom. Okay. I've so done. it's yeah. I it mean, sometimes it might feel the, like an etern- like long, I guess, when you're going down, but then it's over before you know it's yeah, most yeah, of the time, it's right? Like, Honestly, it feels so long going down because mm. you have to like you you take a look at some like most turns and but when you're in the zone, it feels like a like a click of a finger kind mm. of thing and you're down and, and and so that's the shortest yeah and then the longest would be the longest would be like really like taking basically like looking at every single turn overthinking going down it, you don't have time to overthink it's just your uh, brain is like in, in terms of the races like what, what's the longest one like downhill or slow oh down yeah downhill slow. is the longest one oh, okay. it lasts it's one run and it can last up to two minutes and 30 seconds okay whereas giant slalom slalom are two runs Sla- yeah giant slalom and slalom are two runs both uh, one run of giant slalom can be from one minute to one twenty. Mm-hmm. I've the longest I've done is one twenty. Okay, one thirty actually, and then super G is like one run again up to like from one minute forty to. And then in terms of like the race, for example, right? Like, uh, and it, we'll get back to the Olympics because we're like <laughs> we're like jumping around. Yeah, but this is good. This is good. Um, you because for someone that's doing all disciplines, for example, right? Like on a weekend when the race happens or, or day, yeah, right? Yeah. Does it like do you do all of them at the same time, like no, day, no, no. or how does that how is that structured? So basically, FIS, so the federation, mm-hmm. the international federation, they put out a calendar, and then every country, for example, in Italy, every region puts their races on that calendar. And then when you're planning for the season, you basically look at the calendar and then you like pick which races you want to go to, Mm -hmm. which races are good. So basically for an Italian coach, an Austrian coach, European coach, it's not going to be hard because they've been skiing around there and they know the races. Mm -hmm. But for us, it was quite hard, especially at the Olympics, because we didn't know which races were good for us Mm -hmm. and which races were bad for us. And like, you know, it's like really is like, if you don't know, it's like you're playing with it. It's like, it's crazy because like, if you know where to go, 
you're going to get the results around there most of the time. But if you don't know where to go, you can like completely like mess it up by going to the wrong race, even though you were supposed, you were going to make those points in the other race for sure. Mm. So like that was our biggest challenge at the Olympics. Because you're not familiar with any of these. Like, any any and, of and these places. Are certain, like these races are always in the same location. Is it? Usually, or do they yeah. Move every a bit? every season is like they're at the same places, and then let's say for example, I was in Slovenia. Mm-hmm. I wasn't, but I, I was in Slovenia last year, and the race was good, so I'll go this year as well. So that's kind of like how it goes. And what you're saying is like for these uh, other European nations that like basically the races are in their backyard, they yeah. can practice, practice in these. Practice there, yeah, and so exactly. So they, they know exactly, exactly like where what the, the snow, ice, yeah. all that is like, where to turn, that kind of thing. And you coming from Kosovo, uh, like on the, the let's say the week of the race, kind of, that's the first time you, you test the, the slope, right? Yeah. Essentially. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So it's like, you you should be much more like um, calculative with the races that you choose because you should always it's strategic right yeah yeah, yeah. strategic you have to think that you should have time to train there and then somewhat like know the terrain and everything okay <coughs> then in terms of like so i guess you okay going back to the olympics so like you had this breakthrough moment in switzerland right and then, like, it was it breakthrough in the sense that also kind of like, uh, well, you got the points, right? No, I didn't get the points. Okay, I didn't no. finish the race. Oh, yeah, yeah. You mentioned yeah. you didn't finish the race. I but didn't then, finish the race. The, so but the, then I was like shocked by my ability to ski. But that was a slalom race. And I did not qualify for slalom. I qualified for giant slalom. Meanwhile, in giant slalom, I had 280 points. Which was, was like, far from the oh, target. So far, so yeah, far. Right? Because you mentioned 100 something. Yeah, to, 150. For the Olymp- yeah. And for some people, it takes like one year and they go down like 20 up to 30 points. Okay. I was at 280. Mm-hmm. I was supposed to fall 130 points. So then what, what happened? Like this breakthrough moment I like just, was. I don't know. I just. I switched skis. Okay. And I'm not skiing with that brand anymore, so I'm not going to say the name. So Ooh. I switched skis. Controversial. And basically, I was skiing so good in those giant slalom skis. Uh It was crazy. And then I started racing giant slalom. It was my first race in Italy. It was a horrible race. A Slovenian guy ended up being helicoptered out. The race was too dangerous. So, yeah, we decided never to go there anymore. But then at at the end of December, so it was December 30, no, 29 and 30, I had two races the weather was bad. I was in the Balkans and it was like so tough. I don't know how I managed to score those points there, but I somehow I did it. And then moving up New Year's mm-hmm. and that's where it clicked that I actually have a chance to make, you know, but I did not want to get like excited or emotional about it because in skiing is like some people, they see good with emotions. Some are more Mm. strategic and they don't like there's a huge mental aspect to it right it's like you find what works for you and you keep doing that like and also I guess there's you know you're only as good as your last race right like actually actually it's like how fist works because you can never like perform at every race so it's like they get your two best results Mm -hmm. 
from the whole season in that discipline and they give you those average points that you start races with in a season for example like and you know in previous uh, like you know, getting to know you and, and talking with your father as well like you know there's been certain seasons you've had a lot of races right and like so in terms of that's like, not good as well sure I, and uh, like you know that's also the strategic thing but like in a season how many like how many races total are there oh not that like, you would you would do it but like, like a whole thing yeah Okay, and then like, for example, like oh, also, like I, like you cannot even count them. That's how many. And if there's you, like different continental races. It's like there's some races in the U.S. Exactly right. So southern in, like, hemisphere, northern hemisphere. Yeah, so some US, even like east. So, West. not that someone would be. I mean, maybe someone does, but not that you know you would. But technically, you could probably the season is all year round. Is it almost? Basically, it starts in November. And it ends in January, February, March, May, April, end of April. And that's Northern Hemisphere? No, like still in Europe. That's, yeah, in Europe, right? Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, and then, Northern, you, yeah. Oh, sorry. And then if you were to. And then, like I did this year, I went to Argentina mm -hmm. and in the Southern, 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 mm -hmm. Southern, Southern. Yeah, yeah, you got it. Southern mm -hmm. Hemisphere. Now it was winter there. So then they have the SAC which is the South American Cup races there. And those are also a very good head start to the season. Mm. But like back then, like we had no idea. Okay. Um, okay, then finally, we're going to reel this in. Uh, in terms of like the, so you had a, a number of races where the results were starting to come in. And then yeah, two races before New Year's. And was that the two races that clinched your qualification? No. For the, for no, the Olympics? Three more results. Okay. So then January 4th comes and I like to say to my dad, let's go. Like we still have a shot, you know, because mm -hmm. we had until January 15. So there was a cutoff date as yeah, well. A cutoff date. So okay. I had nine days uh -huh. basically. And we, we were planning to go to Slovenia. And I remember some Balkan coaches friendly also were taking, we're also chasing that Olympic quota. Yeah. And Basically, I said to my dad, let's take the national, like uh, one of the girls who was also skiing with me at the time. Um, and I'm so happy we took her. She was like, she was like a, a, like a cheer. Like she was so cheery all the time. Okay, she upbeat, was keeping positive. Us, yeah, yeah, positive. She was keeping mm. us in a good mood. And basically she was there and I told my, like, we were together racing and it was so much nicer being there with her as well because my dad was in a like in an edge edge of his seat kind of thing and I was not like really like I had I was not thinking about the Olympics at all mm -hmm. I went there just to ski good and have fun mm -hmm. and so first races are was supposed to be in Slovenia we get the girl she lives in Peja mm -hmm. and we let we leave no actually we stopped to eat Chebaba in Peja <laughs> <laughs> and, okay. and I remember the races got cancelled in Slovenia because of okay. the snow. Okay. And then there was this one race in this desert, deserted village in, in Austria-Italy border. And there wasn't even like the nearest supermarket to like the village was 20 kilometers away. Okay, so, so it was like remote completely area. remote. Yeah. Like crazy. And they were like eating. They were not ev even eating like cow meat there. They were eating like 
mountain animal meat. That's how remote it was. Well, well maybe there's game meat. That's fine. Okay. They had like deer meat. Okay, venison. Yeah. Yeah. And then. It's good. Deer meat. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I tried it there, okay. but it was like weird. Rabbit meat. Okay. Just like mountain animal. Okay, so something like, like coming from Kosovo, where you eat red meat, good red meat. It, it was something was different. Different, yeah. Okay, so then these races, then like they were like seven, eight, and they got postponed for eight and nine. Okay. Wait, wait. Let me think. Eight, nine, nine, and ten, eleven, eleven, twelve, thirteen. 14, so there could have been a chance, like if these got postponed too much, you couldn't qualify. Yeah, exactly. Right. There was also that. Yeah, huh? and it was like raining, mm. and we couldn't do training on the slope. Yeah. And first race, I go in, I crash. Ooh. I hurt my knee, and then I I go down, and my dad was like, he thought that it was finished, mm. and I was like, okay, I'll enter next race, mm. and I enter, yep. I get the third result so then we need two more and then there was this one coach i met her there she's from the Kromplatz ski team i'm skiing with them now okay and it's like we've come along so far mm-hmm. and like i remember and it was like crazy we met there and she was like come to Kromplatz. i had already skied one gs race there and i go so you get invited to this team no, no, I get, I, they told me to come to those races okay. because there was also another girl from that team that was chasing the Olympic quota. Okay. And it was like, okay, she said, come to these races because they're going to be good for points. And basically we ended up trusting her because we had a plans of going to Czech Republic. And so races were uh, 14, 15 no, sorry. Races were 13, 14 giant slalom and then 11, 12 slalom. Mm-hmm. And it was the 10th. We had training with the American D team. So not really, but still the American D team is like a big thing because they have a lot of ski racers in America. I'm assuming A team is like the top? The World Cup team, yeah. Okay, and then there's B, C, B, C. and then you were training with the D team. Yeah, so C and D are Europa Cup teams, okay. basically. And... So it was the girls' team, and it was very nice. We were training that day, and I remember I crashed, and I like had a concussion, like a pretty bad one. Like I remember, I was completely discombobulated on the slope. I had skis everywhere, gloves. I think even my helmet, like my goggles, came off at some. And then the coach and I'm like wow. laying like okay. this on the ground and the coach come that that same coach that told us to come there mm-hmm. and she's like talking to me she's like here above my head and I have like a black dot mm. like in the middle of my vision and she's talking to me I can hear her it sounds like she's like 20 meters far from me mm. but I can't move wow. and then she stays there with me and I'm like like dead ass laying on the ground like not being able to move yeah and the coach and they're all like w- the guys are coming down because th- the guys are still training like they don't know that this happened yeah and basically they come there and they're like picking up my stuff and i go down and i tell my dad and then i go up to the lodge and i had like a swollen ankle mm-hmm. on like my left side mm-hmm. and i had hit my back yeah pretty hard and my head and I ended up not skiing the slalom, but I took a tour with my dad to Cortina. And Cortina is like one of the most beautiful places. Okay. Like you ha- like, it's like a go, like 
a bucket list kind of thing. Okay. And we ended up taking a trip there and like traveling those two days and just eating pizza and a lot of carbs. So nice. <laughs> okay. So because like, okay, you, you had this quite traumatic crash, right? So and bad. then And then I ended up hitting my head again, like in the house. Like Oh, I while you just, were just like kind of like Yeah. Just taking a little bit of time to recover yeah, from this from this incident yeah? yeah the crash was very bad like i felt like throwing up and i slept a lot yeah i mean you I were completely out of it completely right? out of it completely out of it it was like a very big concussion i remember after that crash i was also starting to forget things and then i ended up entering the race on the 13 14 and then at 15 12 past like 12 at afternoon mm. it was closed and I ended up like winning those, like getting the points on those two races, and I ended up going. And to China. like you had just, just uh, right after this this just crash, right? After right? The con okay. Like, two days after the concussion, I was not even supposed to be racing. But, but I, you basically like, wanted to. Yeah, of course. Not no, of course. like it wasn't going to stop you. No, no, not at all. Like I've had, like now in Chile, I tried. Like you, you even know, mm. I tried downhill. I crashed first, first run in the jump test. I completely like ate. Shit, sorry for the language. <laughs> like I ate, like I ate plastic of the nets, and I hit my head quite hard. And also in Bosnia, I crashed like quite hard. Like that crash was really bad in Bosnia. I ended up like sleeping five hours. I don't really remember how I got to the hotel room, but I remember like I got up from the sleep, and I like I immediately stand up and I fall and I fall front, so I had lost like a bit of my balancing point. Yeah. And I ended up racing the next day. I mean, for those that aren't aware, like when you crash, right? Like how fast are you going? Like. Uh, the first crash, the one before the Olympic races, I think I was going around like 60. Mm -hmm. And then Bosnia was like definitely 70, 75. And then the downhill one, that one was like 105, 110. And like sort of like that moment, right? Like is, is there a moment where you're like, oh shit? It's like, yeah. Because you hit, like, you, you just, cr like, you start crashing, and you're like, like, shit. Like, I'm gone. Like, okay. and you Sorry, always, it's not funny, like, but we're, we're kind of swearing, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry for the language again. Yeah. You always expect, like, from a crash, you always expect an ACL or an MCL tear. It's like, you're, you're, you, mm. you're so lucky if you walk away with a concussion. I mean, that's serious, too, right? But yeah, yeah, I guess, but like, is it... In terms of when you say, like, oh, usually there is going to be severe always. consequences. Always, is it because, always. like, when it's skiers fall, like, the ski gets stuck kind of thing? Or, like... It's also because, like... No, because the skis, they have a safety mechanism uh -huh. where if you hit something... Or they if pop you off, kind of. They, they pop off. Okay. That's the good thing. But the bad thing is, like... You are tumbling I, at such yeah, a crazy speed. Sometimes I put the bindings higher... Because the speed gets higher and the pressure gets higher and the binding works on the pressure. So basically, I have my bindings, my GS bindings at 160 kilos. I weigh 65 kilos. Mm. So it stays with it you, basically. It stays with me. Okay. And like, 
it's crazy. Sometimes like it doesn't come off, and when it doesn't come off, it's for sure your leg is gone. But even if it does come off, it's like that momentum yeah. because you know, like you're pulling up to like two G, up to like three. Not three is a bit. Three is like downhill. Three to four to five to six is like downhill super G. But like in a in a GS is like you're still pulling up to like three G, and it's like a three G momentum. Yeah. On these on, turns on and knee, whatnot, right? Yeah. It's like not even a mechanical knee could handle that. I think, and I really wish, maybe maybe in the subsequent episodes or like as this uh, show uh, evolves, like we'll have someone to fact check. But I think, I think I read somewhere where astronauts, it, when they're launching into space, it's like three Gs. So you are experiencing that. Oh yeah, we can, we can do that. We can do that. My phone is charging. Okay. But I'll, I'll definitely check that out. Maybe, yeah. maybe someone. In, yeah. But okay. So then you qualify for the Olympics. You go, It's in Beijing, right? Yeah. And this is during the pandemic, right? Yeah. So you said, you mentioned briefly, like you basically go by yourself. I or how does that work? The yeah. national team okay. coach. Yeah. I had already trained with him before. Mm-hmm. And we were like very close. Like he knew he was training with me for like two years. So yeah. he was like, after my dad he was like my longest coach like mm-hmm. the longest time I've had with one coach mm-hmm. oh man I can't wait to get a cinema roll after this <laughs> okay sorry that's no, alright <laughs> basically oh. it's like you know and he tested out positive at the Olympic Village so I, he had to get quarantined right he had right? to get quarantined uh-huh. I was a close contact I couldn't join the ceremony like the opening ceremony i was so sad i mean that's already like a surreal kind of yeah like they locked me up for seven days i tested negative for seven days and they wouldn't let me go out and like for reference i what i did because now it's gone and they can't do anything to me i left the accreditation badge in the room Mm -hmm. and i would go and eat because they would like not bring me food like the food would always be late or cold or like you know, it was like so bad that like first four days, mm. and then honestly, it was like crazy. It was so nice after the quarantine. Mm. I was like eating like if I was like I my race, the Jan Slalom race was the first race, and I had to go to the race office. I had to organize training for myself. Thank God the team. You know the coach that I mentioned now mm-hmm. that I met in those races. She was. They are with their team of their qualified athletes. Okay, and she was helping you and out? she was helping me out. Because you were just like, by yourself, right? I was like by myself. We had no equipment, no gates, nothing for training. And they were there. And also the Bulgarian team, my best friend from the Bulgarian team, team, team mm-hmm. she also helped me out a lot. Okay. So I had I had friends. That was a good thing. And then after my race, it was like amazing because my race was done. Everything was like into place, and I could just enjoy the Olympic experience. And I was like eating at the way. What was that like? Like we had the we had tunnels. We were using tunnels because it was so cold to like walk around at night. Okay. Even in the day, in the morning, it was very cold. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it must have been also like a crazy experience because like the olympics you're racing also against world cup skiers right yeah it was like being there with them like someone eating with them training with like them next to me it was like crazy it's like were, i've never experienced that before was there anyone that you were kind of like um 
that you looked up to? Laragut Berami, mm-hmm. married to an Albanian footballer. Okay. Uh, she and was she was there, there as well, she right? Was there, yeah. yeah. And I remember I was oh, I was always looking up to her, mm-hmm. and I remember I saw her eating. Okay. And I felt so bad, but I had to go and ask for a picture. I still have the picture with her. It's in my profile. Okay. And I was like, oh my God, I met her. Yeah. And she's like the skier, like Lindsay Vaughn. It's Lindsay Vaughn, these like women legends. Mm-hmm. It's like Lindsay Vaughn, is Michaela Schifrin, Laura Good, and... And you got to meet some of these, right? Like, yeah, and I got to meet... And you actually, actually competed Mi- against them, right? Yeah, I couldn't meet Michaela because she was going through a tough time. Okay. Lindsay had finished skiing mm. quite early before my Olympics. Okay. I think her last Olympics was Vancouver, 2014. Okay. No, 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 no. Sochi, Sochi. Okay, yeah, Sochi, Sochi was... Sochi, Right. Vancouver was 2010, no, 8. I okay. don't know. All right. We can, uh, we can fact check that or Google it later. Yeah. Um, but, but, okay, so... Okay, do we need to cut it? We can, like, yeah, wrap it up. Okay, well, let's let's. Um, there was a couple other things that I wanted to kind of talk to you about, yeah. but one of the things is like, okay, in terms of like, so you you know you you experienced the Olympics, and that was a huge milestone, right? Yeah. And um, we've been working together, and like one of your goals is like the next Olympics, right? Yeah. Now, also, it's like one of my goals for the next Olympics is like being able to ski a speed discipline as well. Yeah, so you're expanding your kind of, uh, especially the downhill, right? Yeah. Now, one of the things, especially like because like, like what is your like motivation or your drive? Like clearly, like you have, you know, you're developing and have the discipline to keep going. But like, what is what gets you excited? Like. Honestly, with skiing, it's like you really have to love the sport because you're out there in the rain, in the sun. It's cold all the time, the wind, right? It's cold. <laughs> I hate the cold, but I still do it, you mm. know. And like, you know, it's like you really have to love the experience. I've had friends that have tried skiing and they tell me that it's one of the best feelings that they have like experienced in a sport. And it's like it's so much adrenaline so so much thrill the speed the fun Mm. it's like one of the it's like you know i actually read a study about um extreme sport athletes and their like relations to risk-taking behavior because they're used to the adrenaline that they get in their sport Mm. and then when they finish and they're doing a normal life that gives you basically like very low adrenaline levels Mm -hmm. unless you really do something else to make that high it's crazy because, you know, you get so much adrenaline, thrill, speed, and it never ends. It's an, it's an everyday thing. You get it every day. Mm. And that's also one of the things that keeps you hooked to the experience. Do you feel that like when you sort of, because again, your off season is a little bit not your off. There's no real off season, right? Because like the work that we've been doing together, for example, is like, technically off season but like you yeah. you know you're you're preparing yourself for the preseason or yeah, you know basically it's like main, there's yeah. no days off there's no break you 
And if you take a break, you're losing valuable time because the more time you spend off skis, it's so bad for you. Mm. So you have to like keep it going. But do you find that like during this time, for example, like the, you know, is there an adjustment for you for normal life? Because of like, you know, during the season, it's like, go, go, go. Like yeah, there's the adrenaline, no normal life like, in, you know? in, in the season. Yeah. So is that like kind of sometimes, not that I would say like every day is kind of like boring or something like that. But do you feel that like it, it takes getting used to again? With with like it's quite hard like being able to adapt here and there and everywhere, mm. but like when I'm here, I try to not like stress myself a lot. I'm also doing university as well, so like that's like one of the main things that I try to focus on. It keeps like my day going, mm. and then so you do you, you sorry do you, do you take like a bit of comfort in actually what is perceived as like the normal things? Yeah, yeah. It's like it's nice being here. And not really like there in the cold. Sometimes, you know, we all need a break. Mm. And it's nice. You know, I also like to spend time with my friends, with my family. And it's more of like a refreshing kind of thing. Like I come here and I get a refreshing feeling. And then I go out there and then I do what I have to do. And then I come back and then it's more of like like a break kind of thing. Yeah. And then I guess like because the season is so long, there is that kind of... How do you say like monotony? No, it was more like well, but there might be that too. But I think like because you know you you just experienced let's say already a, a phase uh, technically preseason in Argentina, and then you have these yeah. different camps. But like you probably have like one of the challenges is like not peaking too early, too kind early, of right? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. so, yeah, like yeah. that kind of balance of like you need to be race ready whenever kind of whenever, thing right yeah like you cannot peak in january and then fall at the end because the end is where the best points are mm. but you also have to like maintain like like a steady like kind of like an upward going thing and that's probably been like just a huge learning curve right like yeah, yeah. it's like crazy because you come from here and you're like here it's easy to be the best but then once you go out there, that's the real challenge. Mm. It's like what I keep telling to all my athlete friends that play in Kosovo. Like, yeah, Kosovo, breakthrough here is not that hard. Really, trust me. Mm. But then once you get out there and you start playing with the big guys mm. and you see that they have 10 times the more... Um, like resources. Resources, and, yeah. yeah. And know-how, the new is like, you know, mm. it's crazy and you have to learn, like you have to make friends. You have to try to get as much more information as you can or, or surrounding everything. So it's quite, quite hard once you go out there. It's crazy. So then moving forward, kind of like in terms of like already this season and sort of like, you know, the build up to uh, the next Olympics, sort of what, what are your aspirations? What are your targets like? I know we've talked about this a, a little bit, but like in terms of just, you know, because like, you know, Olympics is kind of a long term thing, right? So yeah, yeah. Olympics is like something that you work and you built up to mm. and it's like not like a like a like this, like it happened for us. Yeah. For me, it was like a my hard work and also the stars somehow aligned. So it was just I don't know how, but it managed to happen. But in the next Olympics, 
I'm trying to like be as prepared, as race ready, as high in level com- in competition level as I can. Like these guys, these World Cup athletes, there is like the top of the top, mm-hmm. like the the cherry on the cake kind of thing. And to race with them is 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 like an honor, really, because it's crazy. Like they're there, you're there, and then you realize how like it's not that hard you just have to work so much but it's like you see them and suddenly everything becomes possible mm-hmm. and then my aspirations for the next olympics would be like up to the next olympics would be definitely lowering halving my points that i have right now and like gaining a lot of experience in speed mm-hmm. and then for the olympics would be skiing at least one of the speed disciplines whether that be super g or downhill just something because now, like last Olympics was giant slalom. I haven't skied slalom at the last Olympics. Okay. So slalom will also be... Because you need to qualify for that yeah. too, separately, right? So. And I didn't have the time mm. to... I mean, it was almost like a miracle that you qualified for, for giant, the giant slalom. slalom yeah. yeah. Okay. And then basically, yeah, having my points, good results. And then we also have the junior world championships, the world championships leading up to the Olympics. So there's quite some other big events coming up. Okay. The Olympics, yeah, for sure. And Maybe Europa Cup even. I think it can happen. So, and then in terms of like the, this season, um, to I guess slowly try to wrap things up, the next races are going to be coming up in, did you say? Honestly, I'm still planning that out because... Okay. I was in Argentina, as I said before. I mm. managed to get some very good points, start downhill skiing. And then I really don't need to, like, hurry up. I want to get, like, really prepared. Okay. Maybe start racing end of December, beginning of January. Mm-hmm. And then now my next stop is Finland. I'm going there for three weeks in Levy. The World Cup is there in eight days, actually. Can you believe that? Oh, wow. Okay. So. Like, the World Cup race is there and we're there. Maybe we're going to watch the race. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it's, the the training is going to be amazing. The course is going to be injected. By injected, I mean they get like w- a water pipe to get to, to create and the they, uh, and they have these like, like little dividers that uh-huh. the water comes from, and they shove it into the snow and it pumps the snow with water, and then overnight it freezes and it's basically frozen water. Wow! Yeah, it's crazy. Okay, and for someone to kind of like. You know, if they wanted to follow the races, where where can they see the races? So basically, FIS, FIS, the International Federation, they have an app. Yeah. They have the calendar. They have the live races. They have the world rankings. They have the point system. Everything is there. Mm-hmm. And it's FIS and App Store. Okay. Is there? All right. Excellent. Well. Kiana, thanks so much for this. Thank you for having me. Thank you for <laughs> waiting me. I'm sorry for being late again. <laughs> no, it's all right. We're getting my nails done. Well, she's got her nails done. She's getting ready to go ready. to Finland. Um, obviously, we'll be in touch. Um, but yeah, I think like, you know, it's super exciting that this season has already been um, kind of like a re- revelation, right? Like yeah. things are off to a great start. Yeah. So I hope you continue with that success. And yeah. Um, yeah, we'll be we'll be uh, we'll be following your uh, yeah. your season. I'll be coming back in three weeks. <laughs> All right. Well, 
Excellent. So thanks for tuning in, guys. That was uh, an episode with Kiana, um, Alpine skier, for It's Never the Right Time. Thank you for tuning in to Urban FM 103.5, 105.5 FM. See ya.